Larkin said he'd fire us if we talked to you. What? I'm sorry. I... Brian! It's Ronnie! Ron! Champ! Ron! Champ? Oh, Brick! My sweet Brick! Brick, come hug me! I know you want to! I am completely miserable, San Diego! What's up, everybody? It is your boy, D-Roy, and this is the Doghouse Fantasy Football Podcast. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at RoyDog underscore 13 and over on Facebook, Dennis M. Roy over there. And we have me on TikTok doing nothing, of course, right now. Uh, RoyDog13 without the underscore. How is everybody doing? It is hot as fuck out this week. Uh, except by our good buddy Paul Burkholz, who can uh, just go pound fucking sand with his 74 degrees. And I mean that, truly, truly, just go to the fucking beach and just go pound the fucking beach, all right? Son of a bitch. Fucking rub that shit in. Any which way. So we did. I did get the strength of schedule versus ADP, players to target and fade by team. Not thrilled with the title, but it's close enough for this article and basically it just takes a look at um, players on each team to kind of target and fade try to pick one you know for each um, for each category for each team and you know some of them don't really work as far as uh, what we needed you know for strength of schedule ADP but it's just you know some of them are guys that I'm just going to stay away from it's not anything of any real hot takes, in my opinion. It's just basic basic feelings. You can disagree with it all you want. That's what it says at the, at the top. You can disagree with it all you want. You can tell me I'm a fucking idiot. I do not care. I do not care. But I mean, if you wanna, if you wanna, if you want to, if you want to get to quarrels about it, be more than happy. Just bring your A game. Bring your stats. And we'll uh, kind of go at it. But, uh, yeah, I was going to go on a rant. I was going to go on a rant, but this article is fairly long because of the ADP and the strength of schedule, you know, blips that I put in there. So it was a 25-page article. Um, it was about right. It's about right. I should have maybe cut it down a little bit. Um, but I mean, when you're using 11 fonts and you're still getting 25 pages, I mean, that's a, it's a lot of writing, a lot of writing for this one. I was hoping to get it out last week too, and that just didn't happen. But since it's such a long article, we're going to get going on here. Um, we're just going to go team by team 
it's in alphabetical order, so we're going to start at the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, right off the right out the gate uh, for a target-type uh, move, it was the hashtag risky play I'm not proud of. Uh, this was Marquise Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. And I said on here, I'm not a huge fan of Brown's ADP, uh, but one can make the case that he's going to get the majority of all the good matchups while Hopkins is suspended due to PEDs. I have the curiosity to pull the trigger on him, but only if I felt I could use him for trade bait before Hopkins return. And that's a big and that's a big thing. That is a dangerous move because you need someone who is willing to buy high on him and assume his risk as the wide receiver two for the Cardinals for the rest of the season. And there's a reason. Basically because when you go from the wide receiver one to the wide receiver two, you're going from the 30th hardest schedule on the board, you're going to the wide receiver two, which is the 14th hardest schedule on the board. So you're, you know, if you look at it and you compare it, there's really no comparison. There's a huge, huge downgrade there. So you have to find somebody that's willing to, to buy on him. If you can get him, if you can get something fair for it, um, it's even that is, you know, that's a good thing overall. But um, overall, he probably falls into the avoid category unless you are confident you can pull off the move. I'd like to see Hopkins' ADP drop to around 100 overall before either taking him as a pivot from Brown or as a handcuff. Right now he's at 69. He, I doubt he's ever going to reach that potential of uh, <laughs> potential of dropitude. Is that even is it even a fucking thing to say? Um, but you really you this is not a move for leagues where you have consistently had problems uh, trading. Um, this would really be probably more suited for a league that wants to, that is a wheel and deal type league. Um, if you happen to be in a home league where, you know, people are not as on point as say yourself in the league, know what's going on. You follow You listen to this podcast uh, you listen to Sirius XM, for example. Um, you know, unless you're in something like that, this is probably something that you're just still going to go ahead and just fade, avoid whatsoever. Uh, for the fade for Arizona, I do have the running back, James Conner. I know this isn't very popular. Um, don't care. I just don't have a good feeling on James Conner this season. Uh, third, third hardest schedule. For rush defense, 23rd, though, and uh, running backs in the passing game. Uh, he is currently at 32 overall, so he is in the third round, uh, right about in the middle. But I said, even with Connor's ADP where it is, I'm not touching him unless he would happen to drop into the fourth round of drafts. With him rising up in 2022 based off his 2021 results, he is a candidate for regression with the opponents that he has to face and with newly acquired running back Daryl Williams now on the team. There are other running backs around where he's being selected that I would rather have. Trust me when I say that you are going to want to pass here. Let's see where those other running backs are, okay? So we get James Conner at 32. Let's just assume, you know, Aaron Jones at 23, Nick Chubb at 24, Cam Akers at 28. They're all gone. Behind Conner, you have Travis Etienne, Brees Hall, uh, sorry, 
Travis Etienne at 34, Brees Hall at 37, J.K. Dobbins at 40, Zeke at 41, David Montgomery 43, Antonio Gibson at 45, and we can even go Josh Jacobs at 48. See, if he falls into that range, that fourth round range, I have no problem with him. But it's the fact that he's still in the third round, and it's all and it's clearly, it is fucking clearly all based off of last year. And that was with him. We were high on James Conner. He was going ninth round, tenth round in most drafts as the backup to Chase Edmonds. So we said we were going to fade Chase Edmonds. We're going to go with James Conner last year. Now everybody wants to take James Conner thinking he's going to do he's going to duplicate what he did last season. And I don't think so. I don't think so. Not as a starter out the gate. I just I don't see it. This is the exact same thing that fucking happened when Le'Veon Bell was out. James Conner assumed that role of starting running back for Pittsburgh and had a really good year. What happened the next year? Everybody was high on James Conner and he fucking failed. I'm telling you, lightning is going to strike twice on Mr. Connor. Atlanta Falcons guy I am targeting is rookie Drake London at overall pick 97. 20th hardest uh, schedule on the season as the wide receiver one. Uh, this one has some implied risk because London is a rookie, but with where his ADP is, it's a bit more of a calculated risk. Coming off the board as a wide receiver four, he is someone who, that won't be as heavily relied on out of the gate for your fantasy team. And we can wait to see if, in fact, he can pull off being the true wide receiver one for the Falcons. Everyone is on the pits train as the number one target for this team, but I see a scenario where the rookie can pay off mightily where he is currently being drafted and where he may be severely overlooked come draft time. We do know that a lot of people do like the rookies um, in our, most of our home leagues, but sometimes players you know, fall into the cracks because... People don't want to draft from shitty teams. Atlanta is probably going to be another shitty team again this year. So people are going to fade off of it and stay away. For me, I'm going to take a shot on Drake London. He was one of the top three rookies in terms of wide receivers that I was looking at uh, for Dynasty in redraft. You know, he fought, he's way down there. He's a guy to take. He has fallen 10 spots since the week before. So... He's a guy that I'm I'm kind of circling, I'm kind of watching, and that's the big thing. We're watching these ADPs for these guys that we kind of like and making sure that they don't, you know, come back up, you know, where they're getting to be too expensive uh, for where we need to take them. Right now, Drake London is in a wonderful spot. Kyle Pitts on the fade side. What? 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 I do like Kyle Pitts, though, as a tight end overall, um, but... He's going at pick 35 overall right now, going as tight end three. Second hardest uh, schedule on the season. Granted, they will split Kyle Pitts out, but the higher that Pitts rises up the board, the more and more I find myself pulling away. He faces quite the murderer's row out the gate, and if he cannot perform, he becomes a buy-low candidate early in the season. I would buy low on him. Pitts is a talented player and will be around for years to come, but in redraft leagues where we only draft these players for one season, I have no interest in taking on the implied risk based on his strength of schedule ADP 
metrics. That one is not going to be very popular. I know a lot of these probably aren't going to be very popular. Don't care. Uh, let's go to the Baltimore Ravens and a guy that I want to target as of right now, J.K. Dobbins, running back, who has moved from overall pick 49 to overall pick 40. So he has come up. Uh, going to keep an eye on that because if he comes up into that third round, um, I'm go- I would probably fade him more than target him. Uh, as far as his strength of schedule, 30th hardest schedule on the board in terms of rush defense. Uh, versus running back, eighth hardest. Now, remember, a lot these numbers are all based off of last season, um, so we can we need to kind of take them with a grain of salt. But while doing this, I kind of looked at the schedule. I, you know, I looked at the schedules while doing it, and I don't see much of a difference. And most of them, that's why they still uh, these guys either made it still in the targets or the fades. But uh, since Dobbins suffered his ACL injury. Uh, last preseason, I feel more comfortable in the idea that he'll be able to return for training camp this year. I also like his incredible discount at the 4-5 turn right now that moved up into the middle of the fourth round. Uh, Dobbins was a player that was going in the second or third round in 2021, and even with the poor strength of schedule for running backs in the passing game, his rushing strength of schedule is looking incredible as either a second or third running back for our teams in 2022. The guy I'm fading for Baltimore, Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver one. Going at pick 68 overall, it's not it's still not a bad spot for a number one wide receiver, but he's just not really a guy that I want to target. Uh, reason being, Bateman has the worst strength of schedule for any wide receiver one in the NFL for 2022. Although he doesn't get the benefit of not being drafted until after the sixth round of fantasy drafts, if his ADP gets any higher, though, he becomes too much of a risk for me with a team that continues to rely heavily on the run, and that includes Lamar Jackson's legs. So you got a heavy rushing team, wide receiver one. Granted, like I said, it's farther down the draft. Um, but really, I don't want any potholes on my team. This season... I'm more inclined to grab my wide receivers high um, and grab a couple really good ones within the first couple of, you know, two, three rounds. Um, So Bateman's not really going to become that big of an issue for me. Um, He's not going to be anybody that I'm really going to, you know, try to target in anything. There's going to be somebody who's going to take Rashad Bateman regardless. But, and and he is a good player, but... And that passing offense, I mean, think about it. Marquise Hollywood-Brown was not even being drafted until like the 8th, ninth round in most drafts. But yet we're going to take Rashad Bateman. We're going to take Rashad Bateman in the same spot for the most part with a uh, harder, you know, harder schedule. And uh, hmm. um, we're going to draft him as wide receiver one. You know, take him as possibly our wide receiver three. He's wide receiver 32 right now. So for me, it's a complete pass. If he was a wide receiver four, I'd I'd be more inclined to think about it. But for now, nah. Buffalo Bills. Ooh, who do we got here? Oh, Devin Singletary and James Cook. Oh, oh my God. Why would, why would you ever recommend that? Uh, Devin Singletary at pick 84 overall. James Cook at 98. So this is a handcuff situation. We do want to handcuff our running backs um, as much as humanly possible. 
especially in backfields like this where one could overtake the other at some point. Full season schedule, uh, strength of schedule for the rush defense. 25th hardest schedule for the running back in the passing game. 30th hardest. Woof. So 30 easiest schedule. Nice. Uh, even with the addition of rookie James Cook, I still have interest in Devin Singletary. His ADP is low enough to assume the risk of Cook taking away some of the receiving workload in a more tandem backfield. And it is also safe to assume that Singletary will be the better pass blocker out of the gate. And while I do like Delvin's little brother, he is still going to be raw coming out. Man, I repeated that. It said raw out of the gate, blocker out of the gate. Ugh, ugh, it's terrible. That is something that Singletary needs to exploit early. And if he is successful, he will command a majority of the touches. I don't mind handcuffing him with Cook at the cost, uh, at his cost, to secure the full backfield. Uh, as a cost to secure the full backfield is low. I'd also talked about this taking Devin Singletary, especially if you're on one of the ends of the draft. Just taking one pick with Devin Singletary and the next pick with Cook, you can do that. Now we're talking end of the seventh round beginning of the eighth round. I think it's legit a good idea. I don't mind doing it. I don't mind spending the two picks there because most of your team at the top is going to be really, really good anyway. So you might as well, you might as well handcuff that situation and then sleep like a baby. Whichever one comes out of that on top, you're going to be perfectly fine. The fade for Buffalo for me is Stefan Diggs going at pick 12 overall wide receiver five, Third hardest schedule on the regular season. With the cost of securing Diggs' service, it is a high price to pay for a receiver that hasn't been very reliable week to week, especially for a wide receiver that is the number one on his team. Allen spreads the ball around so much and to such great complementary receivers that he doesn't need Diggs to be that true quote-unquote alpha that most teams need. There are too many receivers being drafted before and after digs that I would rather have instead because they are more consistent for their own teams and for ours. Go ahead and argue with me on that. I love Stefan Diggs. He's an enigma week in and week out, though. Now, is it like he goes for 100 and then it's zero the next week? No. But sometimes it's three for 50. And for my stud, for what I consider my stud wide receiver, I'm not taking eight. If you're telling me he's going to get 12 a week, fine. I'll be fine with it. But at eight, single digit every once in a while, no. I can't have that. I just can't. Carolina Panthers. Who are we looking at? Well, Robbie Anderson and, quite possibly, Terrace Marshall. As much as Anderson pissed me off in 2021, his ADP is so low this year that he is worth an end-of-the-draft stab. Full season, wide receiver two, strength of schedule, 26 overall. My hope is that either cornerback Sam Darnold or Matt Corral can get Robbie back on the right track and make him a possible wide receiver three at worst for fantasy purposes. Now, I've added Terrence Marshall because of retirement comments from Anderson. Even if he doesn't retire, it still made me look 
a bit harder at Marshall. So a little bit of risk in here, but I mean, you're talking, you know, last, you know, second to last round of your fantasy draft, taking a shot on Robbie Anderson. I think you can afford that. I think you can afford that. At the top for a fade, Christian McCaffrey, number four overall pick, wide uh, running back two. Uh, full season, strength of schedule, rush defense, 11th overall versus running backs in the passing game, 16th. CMC is a league winner when he is healthy, and that is the major problem with drafting him as high as we have to. He is never healthy. I can't select him as high as he is going to go in good faith without always having it in the back of my head that he isn't going to last. He can beat he can beat the odds of a less than stellar schedule, but he can't beat the odds of being able to stay on the field. I would rather take a running back or a wide receiver that has better odds of staying on the field and being consistent with the higher overall upside player that cannot stay on the field. Is he a championship caliber play? Sure. He is a league winner. The problem is the last two seasons. And is that going to continue? For me, instead of taking Christian McCaffrey, if I'm going to take a guy that's going to, that's been hurt the last two years, it's probably Saquon Barkley. And right now he is, he's moved back up into the, the uh, second round at pick 20 overall, RB 11. I would rather take Saquon Barkley than take Christian McCaffrey. I think they have the same upside, but you're getting it for a full round, a full round discount. Chicago Bears. Guy to target, David Montgomery. RB21. Pick 43 overall. Strength of schedule, rush defense. Easiest schedule on the board at 32. 22nd ranked schedule versus running backs in the passing game. I have ripped on the Bears for not addressing their offensive line like Cincinnati did this offseason, but Montgomery has been able to deal with the line issues since arriving in Chicago. His schedule is fantastic, and when adding in his ADP, he has one hell of a running back to target if he doesn't rise above the fourth round. I look forward to a ton of shares of Montgomery this up upcoming draft season. You will see me wait. You will see me wait this year. I do like that fourth round contingent of running backs. There's also a, whole, a bunch you know, right around the end of the third round coming into that fourth round. That's probably where I'm going to deal with at least my RB2 and my RB3. If guys are going to, in most home league drafts, if they're going to go ahead and do this whole, you know, quote, robust running back that we've been doing for years, you know, where you go heavy at running back at the beginning, I'm going to go wide receiver again. I'll wait. Doesn't bother me whatsoever. Guy to fade, Darnell Mooney. Wide receiver 28, pick 61 overall. 12th hardest schedule for wide receiver one. While I'm high on Montgomery, I'm cooler on Mooney this season. It has nothing to do with his talent, but more to do with his strength of schedule and continuous rise in ADP. The argument can be made that he is worth the risk as a wide receiver three, and I wouldn't necessarily disagree. I do believe that his ADP will keep rising, and at some point his risk isn't worth the reward that we are trying to obtain. I would value him 
Moore is a possible buy-low candidate this season if the Bears' passing offense gets off to a slow start with the new coaching staff. Buy-low on Darnell Mooney. Not in the draft. During the season. But it is true that he has really kind of risen up here. Um, Where is he at? So he went uh, pick 66. That was the week after the draft. To 74. To 65. 64, 62, and 61. That's over a course of a little over a month. So can you imagine once we get into July and everybody comes back to f- into fantasy football mode, how much that's going to take off? He could end up somewhere up uh, near Allen Robinson and Cortland Sutton at about 50. So a four or five turn. To me, that is really expensive, and that's something that I really want to avoid. If he stays where he's at right now, where he's at the five six turn, I can still buy into it. But this is this is basically predicting that he is going to go up at least another round. All right, so Cincinnati Bengals, guy I'm looking at, uh, Tyler Boyd, wide receiver 52, pick 125 overall. Uh, 23rd hardest schedule for a wide receiver plus, and we do know that they will go three wide. Uh, not a great option at tight end, so Boyd is uh, in, is going to be interesting. Uh, because most of the time I don't bother with the third wide receiver on most teams, but with the Bengals offense I can make an exception. Boyd will get his share of targets, and while I don't want to rely on him for an every week spot on my roster, I don't mind using him for a spot start from time to time. He will be forgotten about in most drafts and will be draftable late in most. So, Tyler Boyd, a guy I do not have a problem taking uh, late in the draft. T. Higgins is actually on the fade, and anybody by now should know how much I love T. Higgins. Uh, but he is going off as wide receiver 11, uh, pick 27 overall. He's going to have the seventh hardest schedule on the season for wide receiver twos. He can overcome, but I think this is a complete overpay. Um, I have been a big T. Higgins supporter since he was drafted in 2020. I have a problem, though, in drafting him as wide receiver one for my fantasy team. With Jamar Chase being drafted as the seventh overall pick and as the third wide receiver overall, um, the question has to be asked just, about just how much is going to be there for Higgins and can he sustain the same production at a far higher cost. To me, there are better options like Keenan Allen and Michael Pittman behind him as their team's top receiving options. I also I also kind of like uh, Joe Mixon again this year, uh, end of the first round in the running back. And I think with that new and improved offensive line, uh, you're going to see a lot more with Mixon and a little bit less uh, with the, some of the receiving options. So T. Higgins is going to take a big hit. Now you could say, well, yeah, that means that Tyler Boyd's going to take a big hit too. But, uh, I mean, look, you're talking 11th round Tyler Boyd versus um, a guy in T. Higgins who's slowly moving up to be in the end of the second round right now. There's a little bit of a difference. It's not costing you as much to take a shot on Tyler Boyd as it is to take T. Higgins up there as quite possibly your wide receiver one. 
a big difference. Cleveland Browns. Guy I'm looking at, David Njoku, uh, 22nd hardest uh, strength of schedule for tight ends. Uh, of course, he's way at the back end, 164 overall. Njoku isn't necessarily a tight end you want to utilize every week on your fantasy team, but he is one that can be an option in two tight end leagues or in spot starts if you're waiting on drafting a tight end and grab a couple to stream on certain weeks. There are not many receiving options to trust on this offense, and it looks more and more that QB Deshaun Watson is unlikely to play any time this season. Could be wrong on that, but God, it sucks. Um, I'm willing to take a late shot in Njoku here as he has fully or finally shown the talent we believed in when healthy and involved in the offense. With tight end Austin Hooper gone to Tennessee, it opens up more opportunities for targets. It's nice. It's a nice spot. And the reason why I really like Njoku is that he can work uh, he can work with Jacoby Brissett as well. If indeed Deshaun Watson does, you know, get suspended for X amount of games this year. So Njoku I think is more quarterback proof than anybody else. Uh Amari Cooper, David Bell, Donovan Peoples Jones. Um I think they're more at risk and more reliant on having Deshaun Watson there than Njoku is. Amari Cooper is the fade for Cleveland. I do like I did like Amari Cooper getting traded there, but uh, pick 62 overall, fourth hardest season, uh, uh, strength of schedule for the full season at wide receiver one. I was willing to overlook his strength of schedule with Watson under center, but with his ongoing legal battle, I am just not willing to take a shot on him with quarterback Jacoby Brissett. It's a shame because his ADP is quite low at the end of the fifth round. There are plenty of better options and better offenses around where Cooper is being drafted, and even another number one option in Brandon Cooks being drafted right in front of him. So we look at Amari Cooper, who actually did drop. He dropped four spots from 58 to 62 overall. Cooper's actually behind Mooney and Gabriel Davis uh, and Jerry Judy and Amon Ross St. Brown. Now, I'd probably say that Cooper's becoming more of a uh, a potential uh, target option if he keeps continues to keep dropping, especially if he gets below Smith-Schuster after this weekend. Um, because I mean, everybody up to Brandon cooks that's in front of Amari Cooper should be, you know, drafted in front of Amari Cooper, but it's when you get in that St. Brown, Judy Davis, Mooney area, Cooper actually should be above them. So he's becoming a little bit more intriguing of an option, uh, this season. If his ADP does indeed continue to drop. Dallas Cowboys guy I'm looking at. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, running back. Uh, 41st overall pick. Uh, Running back 20. Strength of schedule, rush defense, 22nd overall versus running back in the passing game, 14th. There was any number of options that that fit the bill as a player to keep an eye on uh, for Dallas. Dak, Lamb, and even tight end Dalton Schultz are all are in good spots for this Cowboys offense. I wanted to focus on Zeke, though, as he is going to be... He's going as a back-end RB2 in the middle of the fourth round, and I find that enticing. Uh, we are getting three rounds of value on Zeke compared to last season, and I want to jump on that as folks are passing on him because of his past woes. If the offensive line and Elliott can both stay healthy this season, I see him rebounding and at value. 
Zeke is part of that nice RB pocket in the fourth round, and I want to share two of the RBs from that tier. Guy that I'm fading, wide receiver, James Washington. Uh, this one is plain and simple. Washington doesn't excite me, and he has the toughest schedule, uh, strength of schedule of all the skill position players uh, as the wide receiver plus 16th hardest schedule. Everybody else is like basically in the top 10 of uh, easiest schedules. He also has never gotten the job done while he was in Pittsburgh, and I don't see him all of a sudden being any good now that he is in Dallas. For my money, I would rather take a shot on rookie Jalen Talbert, uh, or my bad, Tolbert, who is more talented in my eyes. That one was pretty easy. Uh, Denver Broncos, target, Russell Wilson, quarterback. Second uh, easiest schedule on the board at 31. Uh, he has dropped from 77th overall pick to this week he went to 83. Went from QB9 to QB11. I'm going to be all over quarterback Russell Wilson this season for the Denver Broncos. And even though it's not a quote-unquote hot take around the industry to suggest him, I, le- I find the idea to be solid. It'd be one thing if Wilson was being drafted as a sixth quarterback or higher, but with him still going so late for a QB1, I love his ADP mixed with his strength schedule. The thing I like with drafting Russell is that you don't have to decide if you want Sutton or Judy on your team, as you'll get a piece of both just by drafting him. So that's a way to cut out uh, decisions on who you want to draft, and that's by taking the guy that has the ball at all times, and that's the quarterback. Uh, that kind of sentiment holds true for, you know, like even Josh Allen. You know, uh, if you really do like Patrick Mahomes, you take Patrick Mahomes. Don't fucking worry about pairing him up with a wide receiver, right? Uh, Justin Herbert, eh, you can pair him up with Keenan Allen. You'd be fine. Joe Burrow, I mean, you don't don't really have to decide which wide receiver you want. You're going to get a piece of all of them. And then there's Lamar Jackson. Okay, you can use him, and then you don't have to draft Rashad Bateman. How about that? How about that? Does that make you want to fade Rashad Bateman just a little bit more? Would for me. Guy I'm kind of fading away from, but there's a caveat that I did add before I sent this one out. Uh, Javante Williams, RB9 right now, pick 15. Now that is down from RB8 and pick 12 overall which is where I originally wrote this up. So rush defense, uh, strength of schedule, eighth hardest schedule overall, 27th versus running back in the passing game. And I said, as much as I love Javante, I'm having my reservations a little bit when it comes to drafting him in the first round this season. There's no doubt in my mind that he will control the majority of the rushing shares and targets out of the backfield. I will have shares of Williams this season, but not as many as I had hoped as I look at other running back options around him and possibly wide receivers as well. He has the talent to overcome his strength of schedule, but I would rather see his ADP slip into the second round if possible, and now it has gone into if possible. Said Williams, ADP did go down after I wrote him up, and I can warm up to him if he stays at his current ADP or goes down further into the second round. Because now we're getting value. That that three spots, even just that three spots, you're getting fucking value on him. So he's a guy that I want to take a shot on in the second round. Oh, man, if he drops even anymore. If he drops into right around, like, say, 18, oh, sweet spot. 
snagging them all up. Detroit Lions, we got DJ Chark as a possible target. What? At pick 147 overall. What? Oh, did list him as the wide receiver one. 22nd hardest schedule on the board. Uh, Chark will be the wide receiver one in this Lions offense as rookie wide receiver Jamison Williams returns from a torn ACL in the national championship game earlier this year. Williams also has to learn the offense, which will slow down his progress to productivity. That leaves Chark and St. Brown to lead the wide receiving core, and Chark can easily become top dog and for bare minimum costs and drafts. I don't see him becoming an every week starter, although it could happen. But he has the ability to supply production as a bi week fill in for fantasy. So now we go to the fade, and that is Amon Ra St. Brown. Pick 56 overall, wide receiver 25. As the wide receiver 2, that is the eighth hardest schedule on the board. And I said, I respect Amon Ra as a player overall, and he did have a nice rookie campaign last year, uh, as we thought he would. That success came at the expense of tight end TJ Hawkinson due to injury. Hawkinson will be back, and as the top target for quarterback Jared Goff when healthy, that is going to hurt the production of St. Brown. With his ADP putting him at the back end of the wide receiver two discussion and with his strength of schedule factored in as well, I don't see him bringing back the production that validates how high he is going in drafts. I would rather take Hawkinson at tight end or wait and take the shot on Shark at the end of my draft. Does that make sense? It should. It really, really should. Because you're not spending a lot to get the services of Chark. You're spending a bit, of, actually a lot more, um, to get him on Ross St. Brown. So skip the Brown and go with the Chark. Green Bay Packers. The guy I'm targeting, running back Aaron Jones. Pick 23 now overall, RB13. That is down from overall pick 18 and RB10. So he fell into an RB2 in one week. Interesting. Rush defense strength of schedule, 26 overall. Running back in the passing game, 17th. I would like to have as many shares of Aaron Jones as possible, not because I'm a Packers fan, but because it makes too much sense. With the cloudiness surrounding the wide receiving core, it makes sense that the team would put more responsibility on the shoulders of their top running back. I also like that he's being drafted in the second round and with a uh, schedule that suggests he could see a positive regression from 2021. I will try to draft him as much as possible. It will even seriously look at him around the 1-2 turn. So I'm telling you where Javante's going right now at 15. If he went up there, I'd take him up there. That's how much confidence I have in that one. He's going to get a hell of a workload uh, while Rodgers figures out his receivers. Um, so that's why I do have rookie Christian Watson and Alan Lazard both as fade candidates here. So Christian Watson right now is going off as wide receiver 50, Alan Lazard wide receiver 51. It is low. The ADP is low. Christian Watson at 117 and Alan Lazard at 123. So you could go with Aaron Rodgers on this play too, just so you don't have to, you know, try to decide and get wrong. Uh, but for me, if you're going to go between the two, it's going to be Christian Watson over at Alan Lazard. It just is what it is. It has a higher upside uh, ceiling. So I listed both the wide receiver one strength of schedule, wide receiver two. 
Wide receiver one has the 22nd hardest schedule. Wide receiver two has the third hardest schedule. So there's a big difference. You need to pick the right one. And what I said is, I'd love to tell you I know who will be the number one for the Packers this season, but I can't. It will either be the rookie Watson or Lazard for 2022 with my slight lean going to Watson. If the rookie catches the eye of quarterback Aaron Rodgers, he could be in for a very productive season to start his career. Lazard has not reported for mandatory minicamp, while Rodgers surprisingly has and has gotten work in with his new rookie wideout. Since I wrote this up, Alan Lazard has shown up, uh, or Alan Lazard signed his um, restricted free agent tag. Uh, so he's going to be ready for camp now. Now He wanted to skip the mandatories because he wanted to make sure he didn't get injured. Uh, he was going to end up there all along. So as long as Watson's draft stock stays relatively low, I'm willing to take a, a draft and see approach on him and treat Lazard as the wide receiver too. Take his strength of schedule into account and fade in total. Another smart move would be to fade the wide receivers entirely and draft Rodgers at quarterback instead and get a piece of everyone. There. Said it. Houston Texans. Who's the guy we're targeting? Of course it's fucking Brandon Cooks, wide receiver. Overall pick 55, wide receiver 24. Strength of schedule for the wide receiver one, 29th hardest on the board. The fact that Brandon Cooks has never been popular in drafts to sustain a shot at being drafted in the third round consistently is absurd. Outside of 2019 and his rookie year in 2014, he has he has made incredibly consistent. He's been incredibly consistent stat-wise. With the Texans still in rebuild mode, meaning their defense is still subpar and they will be playing from behind yet again, there will be plenty of opportunities for Cooks. The fact he can go from quarterback to quarterback and still be productive is a testament to his work ethic as a player. I will have plenty of shares of Cooks as my third wide receiver who will bring the production of the wide receiver two at the very bare minimum. We're talking high-end wide receiver two he could do, uh, especially with the second year with the quarterback, uh, Davis Mills. Oh, I don't like Davis Mills at all, but Cooks was pretty good with him, and that should only continue. I mean, the defense is still fucking horrid. It's fucking gross. Uh, the fade, rookie Damian Pierce, RB38, 108. He's way back there, so, I mean, if you took him, it's not going to overall kill you. But uh, what I did say was I could have easily gone with wide receiver Nico Collins or rookie John Mechie or even tight end Brevin Jordan, but instead have chosen to go with the not-so-under-the-radar rookie running back Damian Pierce. Rush defense, strength of schedule, 17th overall. Fourth hardest schedule for running backs in the passing game. This has nothing to do with Pierce's talent, but has more to do with the team around him. The defense is still a work in progress, which will leave the Texans' offense to try and win games from behind, which will neuter Pierce's potential on the ground. If it becomes a game that they feel has to be won through the air, the Texans may utilize Burkhead or Mack in the passing game. Add in an offensive line that is still not fully up to par, and even though his ADP is incredibly low, I will have fewer shares than most as I have enough reservations to push me away a bit. It's plain and simple. It's plain and simple. I I like the kid. I do. I would take him to rookie drafts. But as far as this year, I don't think he's going to get it done. I think if he's going to start getting it done, it's when they actually build that offensive lineup a little bit better for hopes of 2023 being the year where they can start taking off. 
Moving on, Indianapolis Colts, wide receiver Alec Pierce. Why do I feel like this motherfucker is going to fall over on me? What the hell? What the hell? Going off as wide receiver 70, uh, 183 overall. I have uh, strength of schedule for the wide receiver 2, 31st, so second easiest schedule. I have some love for Pierce as outside of wide receiver Michael Pittman. I don't have a lot of love for anyone else's receiving options for the Colts in terms of fantasy. Pierce makes sense for the Colts. Uh, grab the rookie in the second round, and there are no other wide receivers of worth on this team. What? Oh, Pierce makes sense as the Colts. The Colts grab the rookie in the second round. God, I'm tired. Uh, the fact that no one is drafting him until extremely late and he has a killer strength schedule is amazing to me. He's more of a deeper uh, league sleeper. Uh, but if and when anyone picks up on him, we may see his ADP rise to where he becomes relevant to most uh, home redraft leagues. And that's true. Uh, that could certainly go up a lot once we hit training camp and people actually get to uh, put their eyes on this rookie. Uh, for fades, it's basically the tight ends for Indianapolis. Mo Ali Cox, uh, the rookie Jelani Woods, uh, 14th hardest, hardest schedule on the board. And I said, I'm keeping this one real fucking simple. Just don't get cute and think you can figure this spot out. Remember, we love, we loved, we loved going here for tight ends. Um, but it's just, it's just a shithole. It's just shittle. I have no faith in Moe Cox. Jelani Woods, I would watch. I would t- I would take him if he had a deeper um, uh, rookie draft. But uh, for Dynasty, pardon me. But uh, as far as redraft leagues, fuck no. I ain't touching that. You you will you will not see me in DFS recommend any Indianapolis Colts tight ends either. Swear to God. Jacksonville Jaguars, guy I'm targeting, Travis Etienne, running back 17, 31st, or 34th overall pick. Uh, full season strength of schedule for the rush defense, 18th overall, 28th versus running back in the passing game. I have some love for Etienne at the end of the third round. Peterson would be stupid if he didn't utilize Travis to his full potential uh, in the Jags' offense. I do understand he is coming off foot injury, but it happened in training camp last season, so I expect him to be fully ready to go. Thank you, motorcycle in the background. Jacksonville got a good draw in terms of total defense, DVOA, strength of schedule, and they should be able to stay afloat most of the season if they stay healthy. Uh, that means the Jaguars will stay in most games this season. That allows ETN to be utilized in both the passing and rushing games uh, week in and week out. That doesn't mean I see them going 8-9 and nine or 9-8. Nine and eight. You're looking at probably 7-10, and 6-11 uh, this year. Marvin Jones is the fade. Wide receiver 78-207. Uh, strength schedule, 24th hardest schedule for the wide receiver, too. Said with the addition of wide receivers Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, the writing is on the wall soon for Marvin. At best, this is the last season for him in Jacksonville, and with how I feel about this offense in 2022, I don't see Marvin getting the necessary targets to warrant a draft selection this season, even though he is extremely cheap. Uh, I do like actually like Christian Kirk in his spot. Um, Zay Jones, of course, not so much. So we are moving on. We're going to go to the Kansas City Chiefs. I have picked a wide receiver that I'm willing to really kind of 
put my name on here. And that's McCall Hardman. Pick 152 overall, wide receiver 64. Uh, the wide receiver one position is going to be the one that everybody's fighting for. Uh, full season, strength of schedule, 24th hardest on the board. And now uh, what I said here, it, why McCole Hardman instead of rookie Sky Moore, uh, MVS, I'll tell you. All the attention is on rookie Sky Moore and on newly signed MVS. Many folks have just tossed Hardman aside like yesterday's garbage. As of right now, Hardman has three rounds of value behind the rookie Moore. In fact, Hardman is getting six rounds of value behind Juju Smith-Schuster. That is fucking ridiculous for a wide receiver core that no one knows who the true top target will be outside of tight end Travis Kelsey. Did anyone outside of me even think about how Hardman is the best option because he has spent his whole NFL career so far in this offense? None of the new additions have that experience. They're all learning a new offense. So in terms of running route trees, uh, you know, within, you know, what kind of audibles for Patrick Mahomes? Nobody knows it yet. Yeah, you can work on it in training camp, but Harmon's got Harmon's got the advantage. Harmon has the advantage, so I'm going to take that value at 152 and have a fucking run with it. I'm going to fucking run with it. If I'm wrong, I'm fucking wrong. But if you're taking him that fucking low. It doesn't really matter. You just get a bonus if you got it right. So, yeah, McCall Hardman for me. Me, Cole Hardman. Yeah, may have had a Chardonnay when I wrote that up. What of it? My fade guy, Clyde Edwards Allaire. RB25, pick 70 overall, full season strength of schedule, rush defense, six hardest overall, running back in the passing game, 19th. I wanted to like the ADP of CEH, but with Ronald Jones behind him and the fact that this spot has been kind of a shit show since Kareem Hunt was handed was handling the ball in Kansas City, and I really just don't want to get trapped here. They also did just sign Patrick uh, Jarek McKinnon back again, too. So if CEH turns it around for someone else, then so be it, but he won't be a highly risky dredge on my on my fantasy teams and his strength of schedule doesn't come for me either. So I did say this is a trap. Las Vegas Raiders got a target. Devontae Adams, just pure and simple. Uh, eighth overall pick, wide receiver four. Uh, 19th hardest strength of schedule on the board. I think this one should be pretty obvious as Adams wanted to reconnect with his old college quarterback and friend Derek Carr in Las Vegas. With the rise of more wide receivers in the first round of this draft season, he has terrific value as the fourth wide receiver off the board near the end of the top round. Stable, reliable, and most of all, the alpha male for the passing game that should have continued success even in a new location. Adams will give your team the top target it needs this season and will allow you to draft the running back spot later where you can get a player at that position that can perform like an RB in this spot in the draft without hurting your fantasy team. The Fade. For the Raiders, Darren Waller. Tight end five, pick 59 overall. Fourth hardest schedule on the season. I am absolutely staying away from Waller's season as ADP is way too high for a guy at the tight end position who may not even, uh, who may not even be, if I can, well, I'm going to fix that who may not even be the second most targeted player for his team. 
In my eyes, that goes to slot wide receiver Hunter Renfro. The sent the sentiment was before looking at his strength of schedule and only confirmed my feelings by for fading him this season. I would wait a round or two and select between Hawkinson, Schultz, or Goddard then to pay the cost for the services of one Darren Waller. <coughs> L.A. Chargers. Guy I'm targeting, Keenan Allen, moved up this week. Uh, wide receiver one, strength of schedule, 16th hardest schedule. He's just fine there. Allen is a player that is consistently forgotten about in the wide receiver one conversation, even though he performs like one when he is available on the field. He has uh, Justin Herbert's security blanket, and rightfully so, as he's been reliable catching the ball for the Chargers. Keenan Allen should be a back-end second-round selection each and every year in full-point PPR leagues, uh, but he generally goes in the mid to late third round instead. Now he moved from 30 to 26, so he's at the front end of the third round. He has implied value just based off of fantasy player bias or forgetfulness on how stable of a performer he is. If there is if he is there in the third round, do not pass him up for this Los Angeles offense. I think he starts dropping back down again, though, once we get into July. Um, he's going to get more forgotten about as we get more player data uh, coming in for NFFC. You're going to get those guys that don't play, you know, uh, the hardcore. You're, not, you're, you're going to get the non-hardcore -hard players in. Guy I'm fading, Austin Eckler. RB3, pick five overall. Uh, rush defense, de uh, strength of schedule, ninth hardest overall, 21st in the running back versus, uh, or running back in the passing game. I've never been a huge fan of Eckler, uh, but I've respected the spot that he is in with the Chargers offense. I liked his potential last year as a back and first round selection in fantasy drafts, uh, but this season his draft stock is too high for me as a front end first round guy in 2022. He was very touchdown dependent, which bailed everyone out. And with the selection of running back Isaiah Spiller, who the team and Eckler have even said will be involved to spare Austin the wear and tear of the season, and it spells disaster. His rushing strength schedule is okay in the first half of the season, but craters in the second half, which is worrisome because we cannot fully rely on the pass catching for running backs. Spiller can do all the things that Eckler can do, and is a younger back. Once he figures out the offense, he will not only cut into Eckler's carries, but his pass targets as well. So, if especially if you disagree with me on Austin Eckler, please, for the love of fucking God, draft Isaiah Spiller as his handcuff. I mean, otherwise, if you're in a draft with me, you're going to take Eckler, and I'm going to take Spiller late. I'm going to take him. I am going to take him, and I am going to stick that finger right in your face. Right in your face. Right in your face. Of course, it'll be it'll be fucking Randy in my draft, and he'll take him one spot ahead of me or something. Fucking dickhead. L.A. Rams, the guy to target Cooper Cup, right at the top, 14th hardest schedule on the season, uh, but the safest Rams player for 2022 to draft, and it's not even close. He is the Rams' offense's head coach, Sean McVay, and quarterback Matt Stafford, uh, ensuring that Cup is the engine that makes the offense run. L.A. has a buzzsaw of a schedule this season, and while I can find certain games where the offense will be fine, I have a really bad feeling that this offense may sputter for most of the season. The only co constant will be that Cup will get his, and while not perform up to what he did in 2021, a ridiculous season, uh, he will still have a great statistical season overall, enough to warrant taking him early in the first round. 
So Cooper Cup, if he's there, I would take him. Uh, the fade is Cam Akers at running back, running back 15. Pick 28 overall, do like Cam Akers, but uh, fourth hardest schedule in terms of rush defense versus the running back in the passing game, 13th overall. Akers stored his Achilles in training camp last season, and while he was able to make it back on the field during the Rams' playoff run, he did not look like himself. And go figure, right? I would expect him to be ready to go to begin the 2022 campaign, but due to his strength of schedule and how the Rams have handled their running backs after Ty Gurley left the team, I have my reservations on him. Fourth hardest rushing schedule on the board and an offensive line that leaves a lot to be desired does not work in his favor. If he had more of a mid-range schedule strength, I would be more inclined to still draft him around the 2-3 turn, but in this case, I would rather wait for the pocket of RBs that we can get a round or two later. Miami Dolphins, the guy I'm looking at right now, Chase Edmonds. And I, it burns my ass to fucking say it. Wide receiver, or <laughs> wide receiver, running back 35, pick 96 overall. So that's right at the end of the eighth round. Full season strength schedule, rush defense, rush defense, 29th overall, 31st hardest schedule versus running backs in the passing game. Edmund falls into the draft strategy of waiting on your running backs. There won't be as much interest here as there should be, considering the offensive philosophy should be the same one installed in San Francisco and ran by new head coach Mike McDaniel. With improvements along the offensive line and considering the strength of schedule that Edmonds will seemingly face this season, it would be crazy to not consider him in the eighth round of drafts. You can even handcuff him with Sony Michelle at the end of the draft. Forget about Raheem Mostert. Uh, who's pretty much spent as an NFL running back. People are going to look at Mostert and and be like, that's the guy to actually handcuff, and it's not. It's fucking Sonny Michelle coming over from the L.A. Rams. So pair that up. Chase Edmonds, Sonny Michelle. It's going to be good. Good. The fade is Jalen Waddell. Wide receiver. Wide receiver 13. Pick 31 overall. This is kind of the T. Higgins thing. Uh, wide receiver two, strength of schedule, third, hardest schedule. It's one thing to consider Waddle in the fifth round or later as a second receiving option for the Dolphins' offense, but the middle of the third round, that's ludicrous considering the Dolphins should be running more heavily with the new coaching staff. Newly acquired wide receiver Tyreek Hill is going to get the majority of targets as well, uh, which will neuter Waddle's upside in a season where his strength of schedule is projected to be the third hardest based off of last year. His strength of schedule mixed with his ADP makes Jalen a complete pass for me this season. I will have no shares of Jalen Waddle, Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Minnesota Vikings. The guy I'm looking at, Dalvin Cook. Imagine that. RB5, pick nine overall. Uh, 24th hardest strength of schedule rush defense. 26 uh, for running backs in the passing game. There is some intricate concern with Cook every year. Uh, but with him going at the back end of the first round, I can live with him. I would want to get his backup and running back Alexander Madison. For, Alexander Madison for now. We're going to take a look at Ty Chandler and Kenny Ngannou. Um, if I can handcuff the situation, his strength schedule is really enticing. He does hit a bump in the road come the second quarter of the season. Um, but I can live with it if it means that I'm going to have him around for the second half of the season where he has the seventh easiest schedule to transverse. Or Traverse. Guy I'm fading, Adam Thielen. Great value. Great value. Uh, Wide receiver 34, pick 74. Uh, 
but has the hardest schedule for wide receiver twos. I have to admit that I really like his ADP as a back-end wide receiver three, but given his age and strength of schedule, uh, this is a buyer beware spot. Add in the fact that he was really relying on touchdowns to bring any value to him last year, and my gut is telling me that I don't want a ton of shares of Adam Thielen. I will have a share or two, but I'm not going to be very heavy on him. New England Patriots guy I'm looking at, Damian Harris, running back. Running back, 27 right now, pick 77 overall. It's right about in the range that he goes. Uh, year in and year out. Full season, rush defense, strength of schedule, 21st overall versus running backs in the passing game, 28th. Harris is so damn cheap in drafts. <laughs> I buy the argument that there's no way he's going to get another 15 touchdowns this season, but if he told me he can get another 900-plus yards on the ground and get between 8 to 10 touchdowns, he is still a great value. I would grab his handcuff and Ramondre Stevenson in the 10th round to secure the backfield just in case Harris gets banged up. Now, the fades, all the wide receivers, Jacoby Myers, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne. Wide receiver one strength of schedule, six. Wide receiver two strength of schedule, fifth. What did I say? I just don't want any piece of the wide receivers here. Not only is the strength of schedule terrible, but this seems like a complete shit show, much like the Packers in terms of trying to determine where the ball will be spread out between these targets. Add in rookie wide receiver Tyquan Thornton and veteran Nelson Aguilar, and you have yourself a true mess. I do still like tight, uh, tight, end Hunter, tight end Hunter Henry in terms of targets, but again, he will also have to deal with the huge spread of targets between everyone. So, New England passing offense, no. Just not, I'm not into it. Not into it. What's the frequency, Kenneth? It's not good. It's not good. Not good at all. New Orleans Saints. Guy I'm targeting, rookie Chris Olave. Going off as wide receiver 49 right now. Pick 113 overall. Wow. Wow, really? Uh, get yourself some rookie wide receiver Chris Olave this draft season, who in my eyes is in a win-win situation. If wide receiver Michael Thomas is ready to go for the season, Olave will have the third easiest schedule for the wide receiver, too. If Thomas isn't good to go for the season, then he will have the eighth easiest schedule for the wide receiver, one. People have seemed to forget that quarterback Jameis Winston loves to throw the ball down the field to his wide receivers as he looks like he will be ready to go to start the 2022 NFL season. But even if backup quarterback Andy Dar- Dalton Darton Andy Durton. We're going to start calling him Andy Durton now. Starts the season in place of Winston. What I saw of him in Chicago makes me believe he can get the job done as well in the short term. The guy that I am fading, and we're getting great ADP on him, is Alvin Kamara. Running back 10, pick uh, 18 overall. 10th hardest schedule in terms of rush defense. 18th hardest schedule versus running back in the passing game. So you would think, oh, well, he gets a lot of receptions, right? Well, Winston doesn't really throw to the running back. I want to like Kamara at his ADP, but I just can't. Winston doesn't dump the ball off to the RB position as much as we would like. And in terms of the run blocking by the Saints offensive line, I don't like what I see, and they didn't do much to try and improve it. I see Kamara as more of an RB2 than I do as an RB1, so for me it's a hard pass. It has nothing to do with his talent, but with everything else around him being the determining factors. On to the New York Giants. A guy that I'm taking a look at is one Kenny Galladay. Wide receiver 55, pick 131 overall. 
Uh, 31st hardest schedule on the board for wide receiver ones. I'm willing to take a shot on Galladay as long as he stays in the double-digit rounds of fantasy drafts. He'll be the number one target for this Giants offense, and considering the fact that the Giants have drafted from the University of the Lollipop Guild, <sighs> that is a Wizard of Oz reference, if you did not get it. Uh, he is going to be the tallest receiver on the field. I'm not buying into wide receiver Kadarius Tony, but I will think about backing Galladay up with rookie wide receiver Wandale Robinson, who has an ADP in the 240-250 range but you may not have to do it. Um, I want to see how this offense plays out on a, under uh, Brian Dable, uh, who moved over from Buffalo. So it's going to be interesting. I, I've heard I've heard some talk of, you know, fuck Holiday and look at Kadarius Tony only and all that shit. And it's just like, really? We play in 2021 again, or we play in 2022. Because... The only guy who can really get a fucking jump ball for them right now in the end zone is fucking Kenny Galladay. You're not going to trust Kadarius Tony or Wandale Robinson to do that shit. Guy I'm kind of fading, though, is Saquon Barkley. Not by much. Not by much. RB11, pick 20 overall. Uh, 14th hardest rush defense. Uh, strength of schedule. Sixth hardest schedule versus running back in the passing game. But he can get the job done. So I am not fully fading Barkley, but we do need to have a talk about him. The off-injured running back is starting to rise up the boards again towards the middle of the second round in fantasy drafts. His ADP is putting him ahead of running backs like Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones, and Nick Chubb, which to me is a red flag warning. I do think Saquon can return to his rookie form, but to take him before more stable backs like the ones listed behind him is a reckless move with his history. I would rather see him fall on the backside of the 2-3 turn before putting any trust in him. Uh, he will command almost all of the backfield touches for the Giants, which is driving up his ADP along with the addition of head coach Brian Dayball. Um, if he continues to rise into the front half of the second round, I will full fade him in 2022. So I want him to stay back by the 2-3 turn, and he needs to behind, be behind those three running backs. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to take Leonard Fournette in front of him. F- fat net. Leonard Fat net. Um, but Aaron Jones and Nick Chubb have to be gone before I take Saquon Barkley. Fournette, if Fournette's there and it's between him and Saquon, I'm probably just going to go ahead and take Barkley. Full disclosure. Just saying. His ADP is rising way too much. I need him back by that 2-3 turn. New York Jets. Guy I'm looking at, of course, running back Brees Hall, the rookie. RB18, pick 37 overall. 18th hardest rush defense. Uh, Strength of schedule, 15th versus running backs in the passing game. Strength of schedule. My favorite rookie running back, and I'm not the only one who loves him. Hall will seed some touches to back up Michael Carter, but this Jets offense is going to revolve around the, the rookie overall. With this offensive line, Hall should have a ton of success this season, which will lead him to Rookie of the Year honors. He is still affordable in drafts, and I will be seeking him out in drafts as his strength of schedule is of quality. Add in a defense that is slowly getting some nice pieces put together, and that should give Brees more opportunities for fantasy production in 2022, as they should be able to stop more offense, more offensive drives, and that's what is going to give the opportunities here. Basically fading uh, the entire 
New York Jets passing offense. Elijah Moore at pick 76 overall. Garrett Wilson, the rookie, at 106 overall. And even Corey Davis at 190. Although, I kind of like Davis a little bit more than the other two. Full season. This is your strength of schedules for your wide receiver one, fifth hardest. Wide receiver two, second hardest. Wide receiver plus, fourth hardest. I know a lot of people are going to try and figure out where the ball is going to be going between these receivers. And to be honest, if you look at the passing offense strength of schedule, not only with the wide receivers, but also with QB Zach Wilson, this could be a full season shit show. If I had to take a shot on anyone, it may be wide receiver Corey Davis, who had a pretty good rapport with Wilson last season when he came over from Tennessee. Overall, I will more than likely fade the whole passing offense entirely. Do not get fucking cute here. Do not get fucking cute. Because you are going to get sucked in by either. I guarantee it's going to be either Moore or Wilson that's going to suck you in. Stay away from all of it. Just fucking stay away from all of it. Trust me. Philadelphia Eagles, the guy I'm looking at, Devontae Smith, wide receiver. Wide receiver 37 to be exact. Pick 82 overall, 19th hardest schedule for wide receiver twos. With the addition of wide receiver A.J. Brown from Tennessee this offseason, I believe we are going to see a semi-breakout for second-year wide receiver Devontae Smith in 2022. Smith is going to have the easier strength of schedule compared to Brown as he draws most of the better coverage during the season. Smith is also far less uh, expensive than Brown and is more appealing when building a roster as a potential wide receiver three. I still have hopes in QB Jalen Hurts that he can get the job done for the Eagles passing offense. So... Who's our fade? Of course, A.J. Brown. Wide receiver 12, pick 29 overall. The son of a bitch has to be motivated to do something this season as he is getting trashed by butthurt Titan fans who think it was his fault he got traded to the Eagles. The problem is that his draft cost is still in the third round of most drafts, and I would rather see him in the fourth with this passing offense. When I compare strength of schedule versus ADP, I have a hard time wanting to pull the trigger on him in spite of his talent. Like I said, eighth hardest schedule for a wide receiver one. Uh, that is not good when your quarterback still has uh, continued questions on whether or not he can be a competent NFL passer. Pittsburgh Steelers guy I'm kind of looking at, tight end Pat Fryermuth. Uh, tight end 11 right now, pick 114 overall. Strength of schedule is 24th. There's a lot of chatter about Fryermuth this offseason as a tight end to avoid this season. I don't really understand the hate for him. If either Trubisky or, or Pickett start at quarterback, he should be in line for a nice share of the targets in the passing game. The second-year tight end is going to be a nice security blanket for this offense and should be the safest play outside of running back Najee Harris. Fryermuth will make a nice late-round add as a streaming option if waiting at the position or as a second tight end in larger formats. The guy I'm avoiding... Deontay Johnson. Wide receiver 15, pick 36 overall. Ninth hardest schedule for the wide receiver one. I really like Johnson as a player and have since he was drafted. I just have a real issue with Johnson this year, though, as I don't like his strength of schedule versus his ADP. If he drops into the fourth round, I will have a little more love for Deontay. But if Trubisky does get the starting job in Pittsburgh, I only have one question. Can Mitch throw to his left yet? Can Mitch throw to his left yet? This was a big issue with Allen Robinson a couple years ago, and it seems like a lot of fucking people have forgotten about this. 
And if Johnson's lining up on that left side as the X receiver, oh boy. Oh boy. Buckle up, kitten. It'll be a long season. San Francisco 49ers. Guys I'm looking at, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Samuel, wide receiver 7, pick 17 overall. Brandon Ayuk is really nice at wide receiver 42, pick 100. Both have the 27th hardest schedules for a wide receiver 1 and a wide receiver 2. I like both Samuel and Ayuk this year as both players are giving value away at their current draft spots. Throw in their nice strength of schedules, and I'm very interested in selecting them this season. I'm willing to take a shot on them, even with my dislike of QB Trey Lance, possibly starting this season. I will say that I do like the value of Ayuk more, as you get almost seven rounds of value from Samuel, which makes him less of a risk. Do not buy into Debo as a guy who's going to get rushing attempts as well as targets this season. Not only does he not want to do any of Rushing like he did last year. The 49ers select themselves another running back in this year's draft. So if Samuel's um, ADP rises uh, past about, mm, he's at 17 right now. So right where he's at, right about in the middle of a 12-team draft in the second round. If he starts rising up towards that 1-2 turn, that's a complete fade for me. Because he's not going to do that rushing. He'll be the top target, but, I mean, you're losing all that rushing value. And with a high-risk uh, quarterback in Trey Lance, you're going to want him farther uh, down in that second round as much as possible. Uh, loser in this one, George Kittle. Tight end four. Pick 58. Hardest uh, schedule on the season. As incredible of an athlete as Kittle is, I'm never going to buy into him as a top five fantasy tight end. He has been, but as an NFL tight end, he could be the top one overall because of his blocking ability as well as his receiving skills. You've had uh, guys leave along the offensive line. It's a little shaky. They're going to have Kittle have to sit in a little bit more to to pass block. Um, he did have a pretty good season last year, but I expect Kittle to have to stay more in line and block as his 49ers offensive line isn't the strongest as it has been in years past. Throw in his strength of schedule versus ADP, and I just cannot do it yet again. I, I don't think I've ever drafted George Kittle because of how high he is. So it is what it is, but uh, let's move on to Seattle Seahawks. We're at an hour and 15 minutes, so we got to get these guys done. Try to get this under an hour and a half. <sighs> I'm fighting. I'm fighting for you. I'm tired as fuck, too. So there it is. Seattle Seahawks, guys, I'm looking at Kenneth Walker the third and Rashad Penny. Kenneth Walker goes off as RB28, pick 81. Rashad Penny, RB33, pick 92. Rush defense, D, uh, DVOA strength of schedule, 13th hardest schedule on the board, 32nd versus running backs in the passing game. This is going to be another. This is going to be just like what we talked about uh, with Devin Singletary and James Cook. You can draft these guys right next to each other if you're on one of the ends. So let's say you're in pick 12 of round uh, round seven, and you know you can't get Walker the next time you come around. But you want to lock up the backfield. You take Kenneth Walker first. You take Rashad Penny second. Just handcuff the whole fucking thing. Whoever the starter is, that's the guy that you're going to play. Right? 
So with the way that uh, Penny finished 2021 and the strength of schedule that the Seahawks running backs have this season, I really want to grab this backfield and lock it up. That requires having both RBs on the roster and can be easily done in back-to-back picks. We were talking about a 7th and 8th round pick there. (laughs) Jesus, I forgot that I even wrote that. And if you're waiting on the RB position this season, it works out perfect for multiple strategies. I like Penny the most, but I can't argue with the fact that Seattle went out and drafted Walker early. Uh, So if you are only going to grab one, go with the rookie. Guy I'm fading, tight end Noah Fant. Tight end 18, 157, 12th hardest schedule on the board. Want nothing to do with Noah Fant this season, and it's a real fucking shame because his talent is wasted in the Pacific Northwest. I was disappointed to see him involved in a trade for quarterback Russell Wilson to the Broncos as it keeps him with quarterback Drew Locke. Fant is going to be no better than the third target in an offense that is going to be run heavy. So, Noah Fant, blah. Tampa Bay Buccaneers guy I want to look at, Russell Will, uh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, who's also on Tampa. Uh, Russell Gage, new in from Atlanta, going off as wide receiver 39, pick 94 overall. 24th hardest schedule for wide receiver twos. We, with no idea when wide receiver Chris Godwin will be back this season, that leaves Gage open to get a ton of tar- more targets in this offense. No matter if he is the wide receiver two or the wide receiver plus, he's going to have the 10th easiest schedule on the board with an ADP that is the 8th round. He's a steal right now for the possible production that even quarterback Tom Brady is hinting at. The guy I'm fading, Leonard Fournette, the running back. Running back 12, pick 21. Seventh hardest schedule in both rush defense, strength of schedule, and running backs in the passing game, strength of schedule. What if I told you that Leonard Fournette doesn't like to work out and is indeed fat yet fat yet again less than two months before training camp? Would you select him in the second round, like where his ADP is now? I sure as hell am not, and I don't know if I can take him in the third round either. His strength of schedule is terrible versus ADP, and I'm more willing to take a shot on rookie running back Rashad White in the 10th round and waiting for Fournette to fail. Leonard doesn't make it to the end of the season. Lock it in. Two more teams. Here we go. Here we go. Finish strong. Finish strong. Tennessee Titans. Guy I'm looking at, Robert Woods, wide receiver 44, pick 102 overall. 21st hardest schedule in terms of wide receiver ones. I'm treating Woods as the Titans' top wide receiver this season as rookie wide receiver Traylon Burks is dealing with an asthma issue, which has me backing away from him until the team can get his treatments figured out. Woods looks like he is going to be good to go to begin the season after recovering from an ACL tear last season, uh, which led to them, the, the LA Rams, trading for Odell Beckham before the trade deadline. So he really should be considered the only receiving option to trust in Tennessee as this team will continue to be as run heavy as humanly possible. Uh, humanely possible. Heavy as humanely possible. Humanly. Oh, why did you change my number? Oh, that's gross. Possible with running back Derrick Henry. Speaking of Derrick Henry, is one of the guys that I'm going to be fading. I will have a couple shares here and there. Um, but at RB6, pick 10 overall. It is the 20th hardest uh, uh, rush defense strength of schedule that we have this year. Uh, ninth hardest in terms of running backs in the passing game. So, But with Henry, we don't really worry about that. We worry about the front one. So this one isn't so much of a fade as it is a warning not to go too heavy here with Henry. 
He's going to get the carries, of course, and he is going to get as many as he can handle. Henry is no spring chicken, and with him suffering the foot injury last year, it means he is not invincible. I'm okay grabbing a couple of shares since he has a good strength of schedule, and he's the workhorse, but don't go all in here. Okay? So you can take him. I just want I wouldn't be like all in in every draft, every home draft. He's fucking there. I'm fucking taking him. Don't do that shit. Just don't. Last but certainly not least, oh, I missed the opportunity. I forgot to call him the Washington Cobra Commanders. Uh, God damn it. Any which way. So our target guy here is going to be Antonio Gibson. RB22, pick 45 overall. So right near the end of the fourth round. Uh, 31st hardest rush defense strength of schedule. Uh, but second versus running back in the passing game. It's okay. The first one is the one we really want. With Gibson's strength of schedule versus ADP, he is almost a no-brainer for me this season. Compared to last season, we are getting two rounds of value with Gibson being drafted in the fourth round. Washington bringing in quarterback Carson Wentz to be under center will only help Gibson as well as there is a more competent passer, which defenses will have to pay attention to instead of Taylor Heineke. Also leave G.D. McKissick alone as he is going to be useless this season and grab running back Brian Robinson Jr. instead as the handcuff. Guy I'm kind of fading a little bit, right? Low ADP, so you'll be all right here. But uh, rookie Jahan Dotson, wide receiver 66, pick 159. 12th hardest schedule for a wide receiver two. I don't hate Jahan Dotson as I was talking him up a bit during the ramp-up for the 2022 NFL Draft. He's a talented kid, and quarterback Carson Wentz really seems to like him. Be careful with this one as wide receiver Terry McLaurin is still a top dog, and all the other targets will get spread around to everyone else. I can see Dotson being the second most targeted receiver, but I can also see him disappointing in terms of rookie potential because he can't get enough passes thrown his way. A lot of hype guy. This is one of those overhyped type guys. They really need to take it back. And what they're doing is basically they're jazzing up the whole fucking fantasy industry to really want to get in on Jahan Dotson. That's not how we roll. We get these guys. We generally go the other way. But this is the last one, last podcast for the week. Get you a nice little uh, almost hour and a half one. And... uh I, th- I know this one was less boring than the goddamn strength of schedules once from last week. So we'll be back bright and cheery for next week. Study up. Study up, motherfuckers. It's almost July. It is almost actual fantasy football season. Peace out. Have a good weekend. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Make it a good one. Peace out.